So last week, we began this series, and our very first thought was, God created this perfect world, and somehow or another, we, we blew it. The whole thing fell apart, and the brokenness of our world uh, came to be because we chose self over God, sin over holiness, and the world just kind of sunk down. As we started there, we realized, though, that in spite of the brokenness, in spite of our sin, God made this incredible promise, right? He promised to heal what was broken. He promised to right what had been made wrong. He promised to restore, and that was the great promise that we looked at, and we saw fulfilled in its entirety when on that resurrection morning, Jesus rose from the dead, conquering death, conquering hell, conquering sin for us. And we read that promise all the way back in Genesis chapter 3 where he would uh, be bruised on the heel, but he would crush the head of our enemy. Isn't that a great promise? That's where we began this. And, and as we begin to journey through the, the Bible from that moment forward, we realize just how deadly, how horrible sin really was because it wasn't just long after that as you read in the story where man became so, so wicked that God had no choice but to decide maybe it was time to start over. And in the end, he said, no, what I created was good. I want to restore that. I made a promise. And so he wiped out the world, saving a family and starting again from that place. His name was Noah. And we know the story of the, the flood and an ark and, and how God re, uh, restarted the story and the promise remained. It was just a little further into the story that we finally meet someone that God is going to connect with and make a promise to so that that promise could begin to filter down through generations to come all the way to you and I today. His name was Abram. It would eventually become Abraham. And we read about how God promised him. He said, I'm going to make your name great, but not just your name. I'm going to make you into a great nation. And that nation, I'm going to bless the world through. And everyone who blesses you will be blessed. And everyone who curses you will be cursed. I'm making you a promise. From that one, one family, that one man, God set up this uh, idea that this promise could be passed down from generation to generation, but not just passed down, that promise could begin to take a hold in our hearts, and we would begin to look to God as God established through this man and his family a people and a nation. And he told them that there would be this land that he would place them in. And they began to think of it as this promised land for them. The problem was, man was still sinful. And man still had all these issues with trusting God and believing the promise. And so instead of doing that, they kept turning to their own devices. And because the world was broken and everything else was broken in the world through a series of events of, of famine and drought in the land, this people, this nation that God was determined to build ended up enslaved by another nation. They were known and still are today the nation of Egypt. And Israel, these people, these promised people of God would spend generation after generation after generation, 400 years of generations would suffer under the slavery of Egypt. But God never forgot his promise. Isn't that incredible? 400 years enslaved, 400 years apart from God, 400 years away from their promise and the land they were promised, God never forgot them. 
And that promise was passed down to each generation that God would come and God would rescue and God would restore. And they held on to that hope until finally the day comes, right? And they are released through a series of things that took place uh, through a man named Moses that God had raised up to lead them out of slavery back to the promised land, back to the promise God had made. And here's the promise that God made to him. God promised to establish his kingdom on earth. He promised that through them, they would become these ambassadors of God's love for a world, and they could shine God into the broken world around them, and the world could find God through them. What a great promise that was. What a great opportunity this nation, these people had. Well, they leave Egypt, and if you know the story, they leave uh, on this journey from Egypt back to where God was going to lead them, back to the promised land. And if you look at maps, you realize it's not that far. It's it's pretty close. In fact, uh, with the mass of people, probably a million plus people that were there at that time, uh, they could have easily made that journey within just a matter of a few weeks. But again, not trusting the promise not really believing and, and really uh, buying into the idea of what God said. Hey, it's broken. I know it's broken, but I'm going to restore you. got to trust me. I'm going to build you. I'm going to make you a great promise. I'm going to establish my kingdom on earth. They didn't believe that. And they turned it their own way again. And instead of just a few weeks' journey, they would spend 40 years wandering around in a very small geographical place, not being allowed to cross over into the promised land. Seems mind-numbing to us, right? Particularly if you start realizing just how small a space these people were moving in and, and how close they were over and over and over again, but not able to get there. So this journey ends up taking decades, and a nation that could have been did not trust God's promise. And that generation passed, every one of them, with the exception of a couple of guys, And it was time. It was time finally with this new generation to move in. Not only did it was a new generation, but they had a new leader. His name was Joshua. And Joshua would be the one who would come in behind Moses and lead the people finally away from Egypt, away from the desert, into the promised land. It's such an incredible moment. They were going to finally be home. And this new nation could finally emerge, and this new kingdom, this promised kingdom of God here on earth, could finally be established. And that's where I want to pick up our story today, in the book of Joshua, as that moment is just about to happen. I want to say this to you as you, some of you already turned in there because you brought a Bible. We're going to put them on the screens in just a second. If you don't have a copy of God's Word, that's okay. So I want to say this as we get started. We're talking about the series Promise, right? You're not going to hear the word promised today in the text. There's no stated promise outlined for us in the text like we saw last week in Genesis chapter 3. But can I just say this to you? You're going to feel it. You're going to feel this promise. You're going to see as they begin to go into this land that this promise was so real and so powerful that it was driving them and pushing them into what God had planned for them and the blessings that were to come. I'm going to offer two thoughts for you today. 
And I want you to get these today. I believe they're very simple, but they're very important. See, because I believe that there are some of us in this room living in one of these two thoughts. Neither one of them are going to get you where you need to go. Neither one of them are going to attach you fully to the promise that God has made for you. So I want you to get these two thoughts today, these personal things today. Because until you do, you may be stuck just like the Israelites. On the outside looking in, wondering, when will the promise come? The promise has come, and it's available for you today. If you'll just do a couple of simple things. So let's see what happens. Let's see how this new leader begins to emerge in all this. We're going to be in Joshua chapter 5. And I want to read just a few verses to start with. And we'll go on into the next section in just a bit. But I want to start here so I can get this first thought out to you today. And you're going to say, when we read it, you're going to say, I'm not sure what this has got to do with a promise. But I want to give that to you. So just bear with me this morning. Here it is. We're going to start in verse number 10 of Joshua chapter 5. And this is what the Bible says. While the Israelites camped at Gilgal on the plains of Jericho, they observed the Passover on the evening of the 14th day of the month. The day after the Passover, they ate unleavened bread and roasted grain from the produce of the land. And the day after they ate from the produce of the land, the manna ceased. Since there was no more manna for the Israelites, they ate from the crops of the land of Canaan that year. You say, now what does all that mean? Here it is. God had given them a promise to bring them to this land. And this moment... They were in that land, reaping the benefits and the blessings of the promise. It began with them remembering how God brought them out of captivity. The Passover was this incredible event that you can read about in Exodus chapter 11, 12, in that region there, where God promised this very last plague that would finally break the, the, the commander, the leader, the king, the pharaoh of Egypt, his heart, and they would be released to go on their way when the death angel would pass over the land and all the firstborn animals and people would be killed unless they were covered by the blood of a lamb. There were specific instructions given and and a meal to be prepared and then traveling clothes to put on because once that moment happened and the Passover occurred, God was going to release his people and allow them to go. And that's exactly what happened. They were commanded then to remember that. And all those years they had wandered in the wilderness, that was something in their mind. Do you remember that night? Do you remember how that happened? And this new generation in this new land would take a moment now and celebrate on the day appointed to remember what God had done, what God had promised to them. And now they're in the new land that was attached to the promises God made to protect them and care for them. For 40 years in the wilderness, they ate every single day because God provided for them. And we read about that, this word manna, this food from heaven that would fall in the morning with the dew, and they would just go out and scoop it up and be able to eat all day long. And he says that once they got to the promised land, there was no more reason for the manna because the manna was done. They now had all the promises God had made to them in this land, a land flowing with produce, milk, and honey, and all the things they could need and want to need. And so they didn't need that provision. They had God's promise tangible in their hands. They were home. And so they celebrated, and they reaped the benefit of that. 
They reap the reward of that. Because these people had entered into this new land. This could really be a turning point for them. Entering the land promised by God could give them that moment where everything was about to change for them. And this is a, a, an exciting time for Israel as they come in. The year that they were there in that region, they, they could eat from the produce and they could have the blessings. and They could see God taking care of them. After 400 years of slavery, after a generation, 40 years had passed in the desert, after all the brokenness of slavery, after all the wandering in the wilderness, after all the hardship, it was all over with. And everything in that moment could be made brand new if they would only believe and trust God's promise. Isn't that incredible? Isn't that a good word for us? See, last week, we talked about the brokenness of our world. The way sin is destroying our world, has destroyed our world in so many ways. Last week, we were talking about how that condition of brokenness is affecting everything around us and in us. Maybe that's exactly the condition you feel today, deep within your soul, broken. Maybe you're sitting here today and you're, you're thinking about that and you realize, man, I've messed up. My, my whole life has just been a, a big mess up. Every single day, it's just something else. Maybe because of that, you're hurt today. Maybe you're filled with some anger or some bitterness Maybe you've tried to get free from some of those sins that just keep pounding at you and pounding at you and pounding at you, and you're saying, if I could just break out of this, if I could just get away from this, it could be so much better, but you feel trapped. You can't shake it. Maybe it's not just you, but maybe it's the people around you, or maybe a person that has been attached to you. They've created some damage to your soul and to your heart, and you're struggling in that today. Because you feel the pain and the scars of those things. Maybe it was a childhood that was tough. Abuse in some way, neglect in some way. And you're trying to figure out how do you unravel those thoughts and that baggage that just seems to be collecting up around you. Maybe it's a relationship that didn't work out. Blindsided by it. Or maybe you saw it coming but you just ignored it. But in the end, it just failed. Maybe it's a person that's still in your life, somebody that you deal with on a daily basis who's just selfish or filled with bitterness and anger, and they inflict that on you all the time, and you just feel the enormous weight of brokenness, and you feel pretty hopeless. I, I want to make this statement to you today. I read this this week on social media. I don't buy a lot out of social media, but this struck me because this is where my heart had been all week. For my struggle had been all week. And I found this statement. I want to put it up on the screen for you. It says this. You cannot heal in the same environment that broke you. I want you to catch that today. Israel was never going to be healed in slavery. They had to be taken out. They couldn't stay in Egypt and be healed. God had to give them a promise that there was something better. They had a shot to get there quickly. That shot was blown. And then they spent 40 years wandering in the wilderness, but they could not be healed there. They would remain there until God could bring them in and bring them through to the promised land. That's when healing could start. 
and the kingdom could be established and God could be their king. I want to say this. Put that back up again if you would, Garrett. Some of you are broken today because you've never left where you got broken at. You're still there. You're still in the mess. You still allow the sin to beat you up every day. You still allow the people who are damaging you to have influence over you every day. And you're never going to get out of that and heal until you change the environment that you're in. That's a physical environment. And I believe that's a spiritual environment as well. Some of you today are sitting here overwhelmed and broken by life and uncertain how to get away from it because you're not willing to change the environment and the people in that environment around you. Israel had to leave Egypt, and Egypt eventually got to leave the wilderness to experience God's truest blessings. I, I, I don't know who this is for today, but I can tell you this. As God settled that on my spirit today, I could not break free of that all week long leading up because I believe that is a word for someone today that you need to today to get out from underneath the brokenness and the sin or whatever else it is that's gotten a hold of you today that's beating you down. And you need to begin moving forward. So how do I do that? You do that by surrendering your life to Christ and making him Lord of everything in your life. There is no other way to do it. Jesus has to be king and Lord of your life. That's not some religious talk. That's not some sort of formula that happens. That is you saying, I can no longer lead the broken mess of my life and move forward. So Jesus, take it, and you take control. Somebody, I believe today, needs to hear that word because that's where you are today. And God is ready to free you if you're ready to change the location of your life to something better, physically and spiritually. So let, 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 me, let me say this to you today. That may mean today that you commit your life to Christ for the very first time. That may mean today somebody in here is going to recommit your life to Christ and you're going to come back into a right relationship. Faith, again, is going to stir in you something greater than what is stirring in you now. It's going to overcome and overtake the sin that is beating you up and it's going to win for a change. Because God can do that. That may mean you need to cut some ties with some people. You got some friends dragging you down? Stop hanging out with them. You got a boyfriend or a girlfriend, young person, that's not the right person, that's not helping you grow spiritually, that's not getting you stronger in your faith? Cut ties with them. You got people that you're hanging out with that you know you're going to end up doing stuff you don't want to do with them? Then stop hanging out with them. Stop being with them. And can we be honest about this? Because we all got one. Sometimes that's family. A parent or a sibling that you know is not going to help you move forward and get free from all this brokenness and all this pain that you're suffering. Israel saw an entire generation pass away because they could not help get the promise complete. It had to be a new generation. It's too much brokenness. 
Too much pain. And I know today that some people in here are just looking for a little peace, a little help. They're tired of all the conflict in their life. Can I just say this one more time? We are all broken in some way, but my brokenness, get this today, my brokenness doesn't need to harm you or inflict more pain on you, and neither does your brokenness need to inflict harm or pain on me because Jesus can heal us and wants to heal us today. We'll surrender our life to him. There's hope in Christ. That's what the promised land represented. Every day as they're making those bricks and feeling the whip of the Egyptians' uh, whips on their back, every day that they suffered in slavery, every day that they wandered from place to place in the wilderness, there was this promise that was in their mind, and it was this promise that was just grafted onto their heart that said, there is something better coming. It is a promised land. Joshua chapter 5 says they walked into that land and celebrated God's delivery. I want to celebrate your delivery today. I want to celebrate your freedom today. So here's the first thought. If God is going to establish his kingdom here on earth, it must begin in you. That can only happen if you're willing to let go of your past and move forward for your future in him. Before the service ends today, you're going to get an opportunity to do that. And I'm praying for you because God's got something so much better. It's never easy. When you start talking about cutting things out and stopping this and admitting some things about your life that are broken, that's not easy. And I can tell you this, that that when you take that step, uh, let me just say this, there's going to be some difficulties. There's probably going to be some battles that will come because of that, particularly when you say to someone who is dependent on you or you've uh, allowed in your life and you know that their brokenness is just, just sapping you of strength and energy every single time. When you cut ties, get ready for a battle because they're going to fight to hold you. In fact, we see that because that's where our text takes us. Israel is about to face a battle in real time and in real life. They've entered the promised land, but there are people dwelling there, and they've got to fight to get them out so they can have what is theirs. So so can we just, well, let's just read on because I want to take you to the night before the battle. Because the first battle is one that they thought they could not win. They could see it. It was enormous. There were walls that were high and fortified and an army that was well-trained. And the city's name was Jericho. And Joshua, the commander of Israel, is trying to figure out how are we going to win this. Let's pick up the story. Verse number 13, we'll put it back on the screens. When Joshua was near Jericho... He looked up and saw a man standing in front of him with a drawn sword in his hand. Joshua approached him and asked, are you for us or for our enemies? Now, I want to stop right here for a second. Go back to that slide there. Now, I don't know about you. You say, was Joshua, uh, was he a mighty man? He saw a guy standing with a sword drawn and he walked up to him. (laughs) If a guy standing in front of me with a sword... I'm walking the other way because I'm thinking that guy's fixing to hack me. It doesn't say he has a weapon. It just says he walked up to him. Joshua was was a seasoned warrior. He was a soldier. 
He was ready for the battle, even though it was going to be tough. And so he was willing to take this risk. And he walks up to this guy and he asks the question, are you for us or our enemies? Now let's read on and see what happens because the man answers him. Verse number 14, he says, neither, he replied, I have now come as commander of the Lord's army. And then Joshua bowed with his face to the ground in worship and asked him, what does my Lord want to say to his servant? And the commander of the Lord's army said to Joshua, remove the sandals from your feet, for the place where you are standing is holy. And Joshua did that. Now, who is this? What is going on? I'm going to tell you very simply, and we'll dig into a little bit more in the, the, the more card on our website if you want to hear some more of this. This is this encounter between Joshua and the commander of the Lord's army is an encounter between Joshua and the Lord Jesus Christ. You say, well, hold on just a second now. How do you know that? Well, a couple of things tell us that it's not an angel. See, an angel would have never allowed this moment. When Joshua heard him say, neither, I'm the commander of the Lord's army, he bows down, not in reverence, not in respect, but in worship. No angel would have allowed a man to worship them. They're a messenger of the Lord. They are not the Lord. This, this commander of the Lord army, our Lord's army allowed him to bow down and worship him. And then, then when Joshua engages him and says, what does my Lord want to say to his servant? He says, I'll tell you what I want to say. It's got nothing to do with the battle. It does have to do with your worship. Take your shoes off because the ground you're standing on is holy. And he did it. He did it because this appearance of God in the flesh, Jesus in the Old Testament, was the right moment for him to come and say to him, you're not in charge. It's not your kingdom I'm building. You got to trust me. And Joshua had to decide. And he decides to take his shoes off and worship. The next day, the battle would begin. You remember the story. I don't have time to go into it. You got to go out and read it. It's in the, the, the chapter six, and, 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 and you, you read this incredible stuff because the battle lasts for, for a week, you know? And, and, and the crazy thing is, for that whole week, there was no swords drawn, there was no battle plans, there was no catapults thrown, there was no flaming arrows, there was nothing. There was just a whole group of people, men, women, and children, just marching around the walls, marching around the walls, marching around the walls, until finally there was a lifted up shout and a praise to the Lord. And you know what happens? It was a song kids used to sing in church one time ago. The walls came tumbling down, right, uh, at the shout of the people. Why? Because they weren't being led by man's commander. They were being led by the Lord's commander of his army. They were being led by the Lord himself because he wasn't establishing their kingdom. He was establishing his kingdom. And there's something so powerful about that for us today. Because in that moment kingdom of Israel would be established and the God of those people would take its throne. Here's the sad reality. Remember, we live in a broken world. And even though God promised to restore the broken world, it's still broken. So the people weren't satisfied. 
They claimed the land. They had some battles that they won. They had some battles that they lost because they kept wrestling back and forth and sin kept getting into the way. Things kept getting messed up. But in the end, they won. And this kingdom of Israel, this kingdom that represented God on earth was established there and God was their king. But Israel looked around and said, you know, God, we've got all these other kingdoms around us, all these other nations around us. They have someone they can see physically sitting on their throne. They have someone with a crown on their head and they've got someone with a scepter in their hand and they can go physically talk to him. We want to be like everybody else. And God says, so you don't want me the giver of the promise and the keeper of the promise to be your king. No, we don't. We would rather have a man. And because they're broken, God gave them their desire. And men began to rule. And the kingdom began to suffer. And slowly at first, speeding up, getting very quickly later, this kingdom that had been established with God as its king would be invaded and led off into slavery again. So let me give you a second thought today. And we're almost done. We are free in Christ to claim God's promises over our lives. But we sang that today. All God's promises. This is from 2 Corinthians 1, verse 20. All God's promises are yes. And our glory declares, amen, amen, and amen. We are free in Christ to claim God's promises of our life. But here's the important part. We need to make sure that what we are claiming are God's promises, not the promises I want. See, this is, where, this is where the rub is for some of you today. These, these are the problems that we encounter today. Because, see, we think God's promised all kinds of things. And so we start claiming those things. Like some of you say today, you know, my life would be a whole lot better if I had a better job. I'm claiming that promise. God never promised you a better job. Or how about this one? Some of you are saying, you know, this sickness that's inflicted me, I believe God's claimed for me uh, or told me that he's going to heal that, so I'm claiming the promise. God never told you he was going to heal you here. Or, or, or this, you know, if I could just have a, a better mate in my life, and I'm claiming God's going to give me somebody better, God never promised you a mate. Or if I had more money, God never promised you riches in this world. Or if I had this, God never promised you that. And so we, we bring all these, these pseudo-fake promises into our existence and into our mind and our heart, and then we start claiming these promises. God, I believe you're going to give me this, and God, you're going to do this, and God, you're going to take care of this. And God's looking around saying, when did I say that? And then when none of those things happen, what do you do? You get ticked off at God. What do you mean you're not going to fix this? What do you mean? And you know what I believe he might say to some of those things? <laughs> You'd have listened to me a long time ago. You could have had a better job on your own. I don't need to get that for you. You're the one that screwed life up and got where you are. I'm trying to help you get through it. Sickness, you haven't taken care of yourself since day one. Now you're sick and you're saying you're upset about it. You should have done a better job with what I gave you. Well, amen, preacher. I know you don't want to hear those things. And the mate you picked, the mate you picked, I think we get that, don't we? 
See, you're going around disappointed with a God who never promised half the stuff you're claiming, and you're ticked off at him thinking, he's never done anything for me. He promised you from day one he would fix what was broken. You just need to get out of his way and let him fix it. Let me say it like this. This is our takeaway today. God promised to establish his kingdom, not mine. God's kingdom, not mine. So I, 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 don't, I don't know what you're trying to build. build. I, I don't know what you're frustrated about. Uh, and it may go back to the very beginning of this whole thing. You're so broken right now. You want everybody to be broken with you. And you're living your broke down life because you refuse to surrender it to God so he can bring it back and restore it. And you're just looking for reasons to be angry because your heart's more filled with bitterness than the blessing of the promise. Blessing of the promise. See, the kingdom was never a country. It was never about a promised land. I know we like to sing Beulah land and Canaan land just inside those old gospel songs. I love them, sing them. But it was never about the land. You know, that, that land is still disputed and, and fought over today. But it's ne- never, never about a land. It was always about a people, God's people. It, it was always about what they today represented then and who we represent today as God's people today sitting right here around the world, the church, church. The kingdom is not fully established yet. It's growing in us. We're representatives of it, ambassadors of it, the Bible says. But there's coming a day where God once and for all establishes that, and we read that at the end of the book. When Jesus comes back for that second and final time to restore us and establish the kingdom. His, not mine. His. Sometimes it's easy to confuse what we want with what God has really promised. Sometimes it's confusing because we're broken and we're hurting and we're just desperate enough to to claim stuff or reach for stuff or, or clamor for something to get us through. I guess what I'd say to you today is just don't get mad at God about something he never promised. So, so where are you today? Are, 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 you, at that, are, are you at that place where, where you're, you're so broken and hurting that it's time for you to change the environment so you can get healed? Your environment, the Bible says, we're all sinners, right? We fall short of the glory of God. You need to step out of that environment into this promise. The gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ. Payment for my sins, death. The gift, eternal life. You say, man, my life's so messed up. He knows it. You don't know how bad it is. He does. There are moments, can I just be honest with you, that if it were not for grace, I should be dead. Is grace sufficient? I don't care where you are today. 
You're not beyond the reach of his grip if you're just caught. Let him today change your environment. You're going to have to cut some ties. You're going to have to say goodbye to some people. You're going to have to put some boundaries up, some walls up to stop some of those things. But if you do it and trust him, his promise will not fail you. It will establish in you that kingdom that is coming and growing and promised. If you'll stop trying to make God's promises and start just trusting his promises, he'll lead your life better too. Don't make stuff up and then get mad at God. Instead, take a deep breath. Say, God, I'm going to trust you more. God's establishing his kingdom, not mine. When I get out of the way and I allow him to change my environment, he can do what he promised to do. And he wants to do that today for you. So, so why don't we do this? Before anybody moves, before our worship team comes, can we just, can we just bow our heads this morning and close our eyes? I don't, I don't know if people are watching online, and uh, I, I know there, there, there are people in this room that are here for the first time, some who have been here for a long time, could I just ask this question? Nobody's looking around. I just, I, I, I'm not trying to embarrass anybody. I'm not, I, let me say this. What, what I'm fixing to ask, I'm not going to say anything to you after church unless you come and talk to me. But, but, but is there someone here today who knows that the environment and the people in that environment are just beating you down today? You've got sin that needs to be taken care of. You've got, you, you've got stuff right now that's just, it's destroying you, you know it. And you're ready to take a step forward out of that. I just want to pray for you real quick. Would you just do this? Anybody, you just raise your hand and say, that's exactly who I am. Would you pray for me? I see your hand. Anybody else? Just raise your hand. You can put it right back down. I see your hand. I see your hands. Anybody else say, I, I see your hand. I need to be free from this mess, and I need help. Would you pray for me? Anybody else? I don't want to miss anybody. Lord Jesus, you just saw all those hands that went up. <clears throat> And I don't know all the circumstances and all the problems, but God, you know everything that's going on in their life right now, and it's time for them to trust you more. Would you help them do that today? Would you, would you, would you today, Lord Jesus, would you, right where they are, would you, would you look into their heart and remind them that you love them? Maybe they need to cut some ties with people today. Maybe it's friends. Maybe it's family. But the behaviors, the attitudes that are being tossed into everyone's life, not helping. You help them to step away from that environment to something better. Now they're feeling the weight of it today. And they need more of you. Now, our heads are still bowed, and, and, and I'm so thankful I could pray for you today. But I believe there's some folks in this room that need to pray for themselves this morning, inviting Jesus to change their life. Maybe you're a good person, but your life's still just not 
really what it needs to be and it's just out of sync and you're just uncertain about so many things and you feel guilt about things in the past and you're all those things. Or maybe your life is a mess. I don't care. Jesus is the common denominator that can change everything for you. Somebody today who's ready to take that step forward knows that the first step is to invite Jesus in. I'm not asking you to join this church. I'm not asking you to do anything in this moment, but just to trust Jesus at his word. And if you're ready to do that, right where you sit today, I am not praying for you. I am praying with you. But I would just ask you to cry out to him. And it can be as simple as this. Jesus, I believe you are who you say you are and that you can save me from my life and all its sin. Please come into me and rescue me. Help me to turn away from my sin and trust you. And help me from this moment to live for you and in the hope of your promises. Maybe you just pray that. Again, still with our heads bowed, our eyes closed. In just a minute, our worship team's gonna come and they're gonna lead us in a time of response and worship today. And if you prayed that prayer, or you were one of those that I was praying for, you just need to talk to somebody. I'm gonna hang around down here in front. I'd love for you to come today. Find some anchor points to that faith that is new, struggling. I'll pray with you. I'll walk some of those hard roads with you if you need somebody to do that. But most of all, Jesus will be with you. So as our worship team comes, we prepare today to worship and respond. And whatever place that is in your life, a place of brokenness, a place of frustration, place of confusion. Maybe it's a place of anger. You're just mad at God. Would you just bring all of that today and give it to him and let him lead in this moment? God, in these closing moments, we have this incredible opportunity, incredible opportunity, God, for you to do something bigger, something more. So we open this place of prayer. We call it an altar so that someone could come and leave a burden or just simply talk to you. We call it a place of response because maybe someone's just needing that connection, that anchor point to that new faith or that young faith or that weak faith. And, and, and God, you'd allow me the privilege, the opportunity to just pray with them for a moment. God, you made these promises to us. Every one of them, yes. May we add our amen today by believing and trusting you more. We pray it in your name. Amen.